All right, it's the Keith to the City Yankees podcast, and uh, this is a recap, but the game's not even over yet. It's just the bottom of the fifth inning as Rowdy Telez just hit a long solo home run uh, to make it 6 nothing Toronto, and the Blue Jays are on their way to evening this series at a game apiece with the rubber game on Wednesday afternoon. And normally I'd wait till the end of the game to do this, but there's really no point in waiting since there's no chance the Yankees are coming back in this game, score six runs. That's a week worth of runs for them. They only have two hits in the game. One was uh, a rolling ground ball single down the line from DJ LeMahieu, and the other was a an actual hit uh, from Aaron Hicks. So uh, that's what the Yankees offense is right now. And you knew with Hunjin Ryu pitching, they'd have trouble. Uh, they've had a lot of it, just two singles in the game so far, and uh, they're getting blown out. And Jamison Tyone got blasted. He's pitched as well as you thought a pitcher who hasn't pitched in two years would pitch. Uh, his first game, he was sort of... Um over-congratulated by Michael Kay and David Cohn. I remember Michael Kay saying uh, he gave the Yankees everything he, they could have asked for in his season debut, but I don't know what he was talking about because he went four and two-thirds innings in that game and gave up two runs. Uh, but he was much, 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 much worse on Tuesday night in Dunedin against the Blue Jays. Three and two-thirds innings, eight hits, five runs, five run runs, uh, a walk, three strikeouts, and a home run. Um, so, He's not been very good. He hasn't given the team any length, three and two-thirds now after his four and two-thirds. And Jamison Tyon coupled with Corey Kluber, they've been a disaster for the Yankees. <laughs> Anyone could have seen this coming. You signed two guys who haven't really pitched in over two years, and I don't know if you thought they'd just pick it up at the height of their abilities and just go about their business, but that wasn't a realistic scenario. And they turned Masahiro Tanaka into these two and through four combined starts. The numbers are ugly, 14 and two-thirds innings, 21 hits, 14 runs, 11 earned runs, 6 walks, 18 strikeouts, 4 home runs, a 6.75 ERA for the duo, and a 1.840 whip. That's really, 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 really bad. And Brian Cashman spoke in early February about signing Kluber and trading for Tyone, and uh, he talked about the Yankees' rotation, and, and way back then, he talked about how, in theory, he used those two words, in theory, the rotation is good, in theory, the rotation is deep, if guys can stay healthy. And to this point, they've been healthy, they just aren't any good. Corey Kluber looks lost. He has no idea where the ball is going for a guy who was a control artist for his entire career before his most recent entries. Jamison Tyon just looks like a guy who needs to pitch. And But the problem is you can't really leave him out there when he's just getting knocked around for nine base runners in three and two-thirds innings. Jordan Montgomery had a great start and a bad start. You know He grinded through at least five innings. At least someone on this team other than Garrett Cole could give them five innings. And then you have scumbag Domingo Herman, who's the worst of the bunch, seven runs in, in seven innings this season along with four home runs and 14 base runners, and now he's at the alternate site. Though Aaron Boone did say the next time the Yankees need a fifth starter, they'll recall him. They'll recall scumbag Domingo Herman and not Davey Garcia, who actually has a future with this team. So while the Yankees have offensive problems and the offensive problems are are the same problems they've had where this team just goes into funks and they always go into a funk together. It's never like three guys for a week are bad. Then it's another three guys. Like that's how good teams are is not the entire team goes bad at the same time. But right now, pretty much the entire Yankees team has gone bad. DJ LeMahieu isn't even hitting. He's striking out. He's into double plays. Gary Sanchez and him have been the best two hitters on the team, but both of them are, are kind of cold now too. John Carlos Stanton's whole season is one swing. 
It's the grand slam last week against the Orioles. Aside from that, I can't even remember the last time he got a hit except for when he, you know, punches a ground ball through the right side because they shift on him. If John Carlos Stanton needs uh, infield seeing eye singles to get on base, there's a lot of problems. Aaron Judge hasn't been good. Aaron Hicks has been atrocious. Rugnet Odor, he sucks. I mean, that's why the Texas Rangers are paying him $27 million to not play for them. Uh, Gio Rochelle has been okay. After Sanchez and LeMahieu, he's been the third best hitter on the team. Clint Frazier looks lost. And Jay Bruce just fucking don't even bring a bat to the plate. Don't even go to the plate. You talk about pace of play and speeding up the game, just don't let Jay Bruce bat because it's worthless. And if I were him, I would be taking Yankees apparel home from the clubhouse every single night because the second Luke Voigt comes back, Jay Bruce is gone, and he might not get another job in baseball. And he he most likely wouldn't, might not have if the Yankees had cut him at the end of spring training, but Luke Voigt tore his meniscus. So Jay Bruce gets to be a major league player for a couple more weeks here, um, unless the Yankees do something drastic like call Mike Ford of, which probably should have already been done by now. So you couple awful, awful offense, a lineup that's completely lost collectively with horrific starting pitching on the days Garrett Cole doesn't pitch, and that's how you get to where they are on their way to five and six once they lose this game. And they're going to lose this game. They have, As I say this, there's an out in the sixth. They have 11 outs to score six runs. Do you think this team's scoring six runs? Hunjin Ryu is in the sixth inning. He's at fucking 63 pitches. This team is not scoring six runs. So they're five and six, and they deserve to be five and six. Really, they probably deserve to be worse than that because they should have lost Sunday's game. They tried to give it away. The second game of the season against the Blue Jays, they only won because Jay Bruce had a bloop single. So their five wins this year are a Jay Bruce bloop single, a Rugnet or Door bloop single, two great Cole starts, and a great Montgomery start. That's it. You can't pin another win on any position player other than Jay Bruce and Rugnet or Door, neither of whom should be on the fucking Yankees in 2021. So this team is just garbage right now. They just suck. And, and this, is, this is, it's like I said, every night I'm doing this podcast, I say the same thing. This is what they do in April. They always suck in April. They can't just fucking come out and win like 8 out of 10 or, or get off to, you know, a 12 and 3 start. It's always got to be a grind through April, and it always is. But one of these times, they're not going to recover from it. They always do. They always seem to get on this run at the end of, you know, after April ends and in May and June or July, they start to separate themselves from the pack. But one of these times, they're not going to do it. And people are going to say, oh, they'll do it, they'll do it. And one of these times, they're not going to. And who knows? Maybe it's this year. You don't know. Everyone just sort of gave them the division crown before the season started based on their roster on paper. But fucking on paper doesn't win you shit. And it certainly hasn't won this team anything in 12 years. So, one of these days, they're not going to do it, and the Blue Jays will win the division, or the Rays will win the division, or the Orioles will get better, or the Red Sox will get better, because this team just, they don't look good. And Aaron Boone spent the whole game barking at the home plate umpire, and he wasn't good, but it's not his fault that your team sucks. The Blue Jays didn't have any problem with the guy who has six runs on, on nine hits right now, and they haven't even batted in the sixth inning. The Yankees always have to complain about something when it's not going their way, and it's not going their way because... They're not very good. And over the course of 162 games, yeah, they'll put it together. They'll beat up on some back-end starters on bad teams. But you face pitchers like Hunjin Ryu in the playoffs. You face pitchers like what you saw from the race this weekend in the playoffs. And that's why this team always loses in the playoffs. They can't beat real elite starting pitching. It's a problem, and it's been happening for a long, long time now. It's why they have four ALCS losses since their last World Series. It's why they got fucking bounced in the first round last year by the Rays in five games 
the offense goes away and hides in the postseason, and now they decide to go away and hide here in the regular season as well. So the Yankees and Blue Jays will meet again on Wednesday afternoon game in Dunedin, and the Yankees have the off day on Thursday, and then they host the Rays uh, in a huge weekend series because every time they play the Blue Jays or Rays this season, it's huge. Uh, And this off day on Thursday, you better see something close to – I mean, the the real lineup can't be there because Voight's not there, but let's get a real fucking lineup before the off day. Get Rugnit Odor out of the sixth hole. Holy fuck, he doesn't need to be batting sixth. If Jay Bruce has to play, at least he's ninth on Monday, on Tuesday night. Eight days ago, the guy was, or nine days ago, the guy was batting fucking fifth. Put the bad hitters at the bottom of the order. That's where they belong. And as I say that, Jay Bruce doubles, so it's nice to see he can still make contact at the plate. But Rob Wong, host of Blue Jays Baseball at Jays Talk on Sportsnet 590, the fan up in Toronto, joined me to talk about the state of the Blue Jays with the Yankees uh, already playing their second series of the season against them just two weeks into the season. So let's get to it. All right, and joining me today to talk about the Blue Jays with the Yankees already playing the Blue Jays for the second time this season is Rob Wong, the host of Blue Jays Baseball and Jays Talk on Sportsnet 590, the fan. Rob, how's it going today? I'm good, I'm good. I wish the uh, Blue Jays were off to a bit of a better start, but uh, I imagine people in New York feel the same way about the Yankees, (laughs) so we're in the same boat here. Yeah, I can't say I wish the Blue Jays were off to a better start, but I can say that about the Yankees, (laughs) and uh, it's it's kind of odd because uh, for the Yankees, a lot of people preface it with, oh, it's early, oh, it's only been X amount of games, Um, oh, it's the beginning of the season, but for this team, it's not the beginning of the season. It's a continuation of what they were last year, it's a continuation of what they were in 2019 and 18, and essentially even 17 as the core pieces of this team are still there well on the blue jay side of things you know they're the up-and-coming team they're what the yankees were four and five years ago with the young core and the exciting future uh so while it is early i i think for the blue jays to me it's not really early for the yankees yeah i think that's uh, that is a very good point there's a lot of expectation coming into the season of course for new york and likewise uh, with the blue jays it was a little bit different of course with you know george springer getting hurt uh, during spring training and not starting the season with the team so because of that not that expectations were you know downsized at all for the blue jays it was just hey you know without springer you kind of have to tread water a little bit here uh, the yankee series at the beginning of the season was definitely a big surprise for for i think a lot of jays fans uh, those three games where you know it could have gone either way could have gone a sweep for the yankees could have gone a sweep for the blue jays could have gone you know any which different way but uh, you know i think that first opening series in new york kind of opened eyes for blue jays fans and since then it's uh, been a bit of a tough go here for uh, the blue jays so um i think you know at the end of the day when this team is healthy when the blue jays are healthy it's going to be a dogfight not even just with the yankees but with a lot of other teams in the american league to you know get to uh, the playoffs as far as those wild card spots go and as far as the division goes you mentioned george springer there and uh, growing up in connecticut he's a connecticut guy as well so always been a fan of his even though he was an astro and everyone hates the astros but uh, i can't help but to think if he had signed that type of deal with the yankees and had you know one injury followed by another injury while rehabbing the first injury it wouldn't go well here in New York so I I can't imagine what people are saying up in Toronto yeah I think you know people are disappointed that he hasn't been able to play a game yet but it is a long-term deal you didn't sign George Springer for a one-year contract I think if that was the case then you know maybe people would be a little bit more frustrated but this guy's gonna be here for uh, quite a while 
with the uh, Toronto Blue Jays after signing this uh, monster deal this past off season. So, you know, it's kind of funny that you mentioned the uh, the injuries and, you know, we know the Aaron Judge stuff recently kind of rubbed Yankees fans the wrong way. <laughs> Giancarlo Stanton, you know, has missed a lot of games in the last couple of years and uh, we just see the, see the reaction of Yankees fans towards him. So uh, I, I don't, I mean, I hear it occasionally from, you know, people on uh, Twitter or people that text into the show or call into the show. It was like, we get that definitely. Uh, when we talk about the Blue Jays, but uh, I mean, you know, New York is New York for a reason when it comes to the fans. It's just a different, a different place <laughs> compared <laughs> to uh, to up in Canada. I know we got a, a reputation as Canadians as being nice. Uh, there's still some people here from time to time that uh, you know like to uh, get into the weeds a little bit when they when they don't like the way things are going. But uh, it's definitely not compared to the way things are in New York. That's for sure. <laughs> well, I've been uh, I was up in Toronto for opening day in the first two games of the 2018 season when. Stanton made his Yankees debut and hit those majestic home runs in the first game off uh, Jay Happ and Tyler Clippard. And that Blue Jays team was sort of at the end of their window. You know, no one really expected that team to be good. And uh, their window of really 15 and 16 and and to come and sort of rebuild so quickly. Uh, you know, now last year they make the postseason. I granted an expanded field, but they were right there with the Yankees record-wise the entire season. And to have this young core and to begin to surround it uh, with the pieces like like George Springer, a Hunjin Ryu, or get Robbie Ray. Uh, it just seems like they're doing what I wish the Yankees did a few years ago, which was surround their core with uh, free agent talent. They didn't necessarily do that in the free agent class that had Harper and had Corbin and had Machado and they waited and waited. Um, and now their window's not as open as it once was. So uh, it, it is impressive. And, and I do respect what the Blue Jays have sort of done here with the last year and a half with their roster. Yeah, and it's been, you know, a bit of a long road. Uh, you know, 2015, 2016, when the Blue Jays were winning the uh, ALEs title and when they made the playoffs and, you know, went on a bit of a run there in 2016, feels like a long time ago. I know it wasn't, uh, but it definitely feels a long time ago, especially when it's a franchise that, you know, hadn't made it to the playoffs since they won the World Series back in 90, 1993. So it was a long wait for, you know, Blue Jays fans to just feel any sort of, you know, meaningful games in September. That used to be the longest, uh, you know, conversation in the city. Just give us meaningful baseball in the second half of the season. It just really, you know, never came uh, for a long, long time. So 2015, as we all know, that was sort of the big uh, pressure relief for, for Blue Jays fans. I still contend that, you know, for me, that was still uh, the best team in baseball. And it was unfortunate that they lost to the Royals in the uh, ALCS, of course, as uh, the Royals would go on to, the, to win the World Series that year. Um, but 2015, 2016, you know, after that, it was kind of the end of the road, as you mentioned, like 2018 for, for a lot of those guys. Uh, Josh Donaldson gets traded. You know, Marcus Stroman gets dealt within the last couple of years. Aaron Sanchez, a lot of those guys, key guys from those, you know, 15 and 16 teams that were still around. Uh, it was pretty evident that, you know, this team wanted to go in a different direction, which is why they uh, made a lot of those moves. So Mark Shapiro, Ross Atkins, since they've been in Toronto, this was really their plan. Uh, you know, 2016, they were around that first year. Uh, Mark Shapiro was when the, the Blue Jays made it to uh, the ALCS against Cleveland. And, you know, he knew that, hey, we're coming off an 89-win season, that we want to give this another shot. So, you know, a lot of people were disappointed with uh, the Blue Jays in 2017 that, you know, they probably hung on to a few more guys that they, they probably should have traded by then. But, you know, he was trying to, you know, give this that, that core at the time and give the fan base, you know, another crack at making the postseason. It's difficult to go from an 89-win team to all of a sudden say, you know what, this is just not what we want to do. We want to, you know, turn things around. So 
kind of let it organically, um, you know, go through the process in 2017. But then, you know, the last three years or so, they've really sort of, you know, tr- tried to strip it down a little bit. And they've had Bo Bichette and Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Kevin Biggio, those guys have been in the, the farm system. But the additions of, you know, Nate Pearson through the draft, the addition of uh, a guy like Lourdes Guriel through, you know, free agency, international free agency. Uh, you trade Marcus Stroman and you get guys like uh, Anthony Kay in New York. Or you get Simeon Woods Richardson. You're, you're trying to build up the uh, farm system to, you know, strike when the iron's hot. And we've seen it the last couple of years. They decided to go big game hunt. And they got Yunjin Ryu last year you know, to be an anchor in the rotation. And then this past off season with the, the George Springer signing, I don't, I don't think any Blue Jays fan in their right mind ever thought that George Springer would be a Blue Jay. And, uh, you know, in this city, there haven't been a ton of major free agent splashes. I mean, the last one um, of like significant, you know, note was Roger Clemens signing with the Blue Jays back in, in the late nineties. Right. And at that point, you know, Roger, was seemingly at the end of his rope uh, as far as his Major League Baseball career. And then uh, miraculously, Neil, somehow he was <laughs> able to uh, find a second life, a yeah. second win uh, with, with his career. I, I wonder how. Uh, but really since then, it's this, this George Springer signing has been, you know, the biggest signing in team history. So this is the the window now, the, the next, you know, five, six years with George Springer, uh, Hyunjin Ryu. This is where the Blue Jays want to, you know, really strike for gold here and, and try to, you know, contend in a championship window. Uh, they're going to keep adding. They're going to keep, you know, trying to get better. But uh, right now, this is definitely the beginning of something special for this era, uh, this era of Blue Jays baseball. Well, they have Bo Bichette. They have Kevin Biggio. They have Guriel, like you mentioned. They're going to have George Springer. They have Vlad Guerrero Jr. It's none of those guys that, that really scare me when they're in the box. It's Randall Grichuk, who this guy gets an extra base <laughs> hit every time, every at-bat. It's it, He scares me in a way that David Ortiz used to scare me. And it's unbelievable, and it seems impossible because you just look at his career and his numbers and it doesn't make any sense but I don't I don't know what he does against the Yankees and I feel like for Blue Jays fans that has to be like Kyle Agashioka now who seems to hit a home run every time he plays the Blue Jays yeah that's that's definitely a good example with uh, Kyle Agashioka I, I made the case uh, on the post game show after he hit those two home runs and I said you know for whatever reason when he plays the Blue Jays guy turns into Mike Piazza like that's <laughs> just how good he's been against the Blue Jays uh, yeah Randall Grichik um, you know, he's gotten off to a nice start. And the thing with Randall Grichik is, you know, Blue Jays fans have seen this before that he has these hot streaks. He's a streaky guy. And you always try to, you know, sell yourself on, hey, maybe this is a different Randall Grichik. Maybe this is, you know, <laughs> someone that's made some changes. And then the bottom falls out. And, you know, he ends up being, you know, a fine Major League Baseball player, you know, with uh, George Springer when he eventually comes back. Randall Grichik as a, as a fourth outfielder, as an occasional you know, guy that can spell time for some of the outfielders. That's that's a you know a solid major league player. Um, they obviously signed him to a, a big money deal a few years ago. And can you have a fourth outfielder that's making you know close to twelve million dollars? Probably not. But uh, you know, without Randall Grichik on this team right now, who knows uh, where the Blue Jays would be? Because he's been one of the best hitters on the team right now. And this is a team that outside of you know, two or three guys uh, is really having a tough time scoring runs. So uh, Randall Grichik uh, definitely uh, is has been an important piece uh, so far this season, and we'll, and we'll see where he fits in when George Springer comes back. 
Well, last year it seemed like the the Tampa Bay Rays were built to beat the Yankees, you know, contact hitters, great starting pitching, all right-handed relievers. And this year I know Yankees fans are, are really everyone thinks the Yankees are just going to win the division. I don't I'm not in that camp. I don't think they're going to run away from the Blue Jays or the Rays for that matter. But you look at what the Blue Jays have now done with their bullpen. It's almost like they decided we're going to match up perfectly against the Yankees. And we saw that in the opening series of Yankee Stadium with Dolis, with Romano, with Merriweather, some scary names and the Blue Jays, they have a bullpen now, and, and, and that's not good for Yankees fans. Yeah, for, for a long time, uh, the Blue Jays' bullpen did not have you know a ton of guys that threw really, really hard. Um, you know, they had very reliable relievers, you know, going back to that, that 2015 team that, that I like to, you know, talk about. Uh, that was a pretty solid bullpen that they had. I mean, Aaron Sanchez, who ended up being a, a starter a few years later, um, he was, you know, really solid out of the pen, throwing 97. They had uh, Roberto Osuna, who was really good that year. Uh, Brett Cecil, a lefty who doesn't throw hard, but, you know, was striking out a lot of guys with a nasty breaking ball. And uh, Liam Hendricks before he became this version of Liam Hendricks that we've seen. So they had some pretty solid relievers that year. Um, but outside of maybe one or two guys, no one really throwing, you know, 90, uh, 99 miles an hour like we've seen with the likes of a Jordan Romano or even a, a Julian Merriweather, who, um, you know, I've just been a massive fan of ever since we saw him make his debut last year. So it's funny, you think where this bullpen would even be if Kirby Yates was able to stay healthy and he didn't have to undergo Tommy John surgery before the season started. So this is, uh, you know, something that uh, Ross Atkins and Mark Shapiro have done a really good job of since they, you know, came to the Blue Jays. They've been able to build uh, really good bullpens. And, you know, this year is no different with the acquisitions that they've made, just some of the internal improvements um, that have, you know, helped lift this bullpen as well. And who knows, come, you know, Come the uh, trade deadline, you know, maybe there's some other arms out there that they want to target and add to it. As you know, Neil, you can't ever have enough pitching in baseball. And, you know, with this rotation that the Blue Jays have right now where there are some question marks, you know, that is one way you can shore things up by uh, adding some, you know, big arms out of the pen to uh, help alleviate uh, that issue if you do have it. Yeah, and with the rotation, I, I mean, the Blue Jays have question marks, but the Yankees have question marks, and I think a lot of people forget that. And yes, after Garrett Cole, you have Corey Kluber, who once upon a time was arguably the best pitcher in the league. You have Jamison Tyone, who hasn't pitched in two years. You've got Jordan Montgomery, who's inconsistent. They don't even have a fifth starter right now. And Luis Severino is not supposed to come back till sometime midsummer. So while the, the Yankees have their rotation question marks, uh, I think they might even be bigger than the Blue Jays because they do have Ryu, who's been great. Robbie Ray looked like 2017 Robbie Ray on Monday night. Um, I think Steven Matz is kind of the wild card there. But in starting pitching, it's, it's you know, outside of they it's pretty even with the Yankees and the Blue Jays yeah I guess it just depends on your perspective I know you know, coming into the season I had question marks about the Blue Jays starting rotation as did many others you knew that Pyunjin Ryu was going to be the guy but he's someone that has you know a pretty sketchy injury history in the past you know you go back to last year it was a shortened season so it was very easy to get him out there for uh, all the starts but he has been someone that over you know the majority of his career has missed time at one point or another and landed on the injured list and I know that's something that you know the Blue Jays are very careful about um, with him right now with this year that you know if he needs an extra day they're going to give it to him they want to make sure he gets through to the end of the season Uh, Steven Matz has been a great story as you touched on like I don't know what happened last year with the Mets but he is not that guy (laughs) anymore and uh, Robbie Ray I'm a big fan. Um, you know, if he can find the form that he had a few years ago, that's great. Still waiting for, you know, Nate Pearson to come back, the top prospect. If he does, that'll add a different dynamic. 
but how many innings can he go? He's someone that's never pitched above, you know, 90 innings in a single season down in the minor leagues. And, you know, he has uh, a bit of an injury history. So there are definitely question marks with uh, this rotation, uh, but there's a ton of upside if they, they can stay healthy, of course. But uh, yeah, when you get a guy like Garrett Cole to, to anchor your rotation, uh, I think people would look at uh, what the Yankees have and they, they might take it, uh, yeah. to be honest with you, in Toronto. <laughs> uh, when you look at uh, Garrett Cole and uh, we'll see Jamison Tyone uh, in this series as well. Uh, I know a lot of Blue Jays fans uh, wanted the team to go after him uh, in the offseason to try to add to their rotation. So I understand where you're coming from. There's definitely uh, some question marks back there. But, uh, um, yeah, it's interesting to see. It'll be interesting to see where these rotations end up uh, at the end of the season. Yeah, and you mentioned earlier how Springer's the biggest contract the Blue Jays have given out, and and I know Yankees fans get frustrated that the team is scared off by the imaginary salary cap, the luxury tax threshold, while other teams will blow by it, and the Yankees have the greatest resource in baseball, which is their finances, and they don't use it to their advantage. But for the Blue Jays fan, I mean, they're Canada's team. How are, They should be in the mix for every big-name free agent you think, and I know that a family doesn't own them and a corporation does, so I'm sure that's really where it gets down to. But as Blue Jays fan, don't you get disappointed when they're not involved when it's essentially all of Canada could could back the Blue Jays yeah well that was the the biggest talk for a long time you know uh, Rogers Communications which uh, owns the Blue Jays and also owns the radio station that I work for you know they have a ton of dough like I don't think that's uh, a surprise <laughs> the the money is uh, easily you can look it up uh, on Google just to see you know how much they uh, re, you know rake in year after year and because of that you know Blue Jays fans got kind of fed up when, you know, they were seeing the Yankees, as you touched on, and, you know, the Red Sox in the division spending all this cash every single year and wondering, hey, can we never, you know, why can't we ever get to that point? And now, you know, we're starting to see it. Um, you know, there was a time where the Blue Jays were top 10 in payroll within the last 15 years, but, you know, never got into that, you know, top five, really. Um, and I think it'll be interesting to see if, you know, this next little stretch here um, where, you know, they're in this window of contention, how high they'll actually go uh, with the payroll. Because, you know, you mentioned the, 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 the luxury tax implications and all of that. There's a budget for every team, uh, even though the Dodgers spend a crazy ton, even though the Yankees spend a crazy ton. They're only willing to go so far, right? Because it's just after that point, it just starts to get a little bit uh, nuts. So I don't think we'll ever see the Blue Jays. You know, become the number one, number two, or number three team in in, in payroll. I, I think that's unlikely to happen. But like I said before, you know, with the addition of Hyunjin Ryu, George Springer, the last two off seasons, Blue Jays are showing. Hey, we're gonna play. Um, you know, we're gonna fish in the deep waters here. And you look at next year. There's Carlos Correa, Trevor Story. Corey Seager, Javi Baez, potentially all of those four guys making it to free agency. A lot of the conversation right now with the Blue Jays is, you know, do they look at upgrading at the shortstop position? And is Bo Bichette the long-term play there? We, we know they talked to the, uh, the Cleveland Indians about Francisco Lindor this past offseason, so they obviously had a lot of interest there in, uh, you know, adding an upgrade. So if they have to go out and add one of those four guys that I mentioned, it's going to cost you, you know, six figures. So yeah. it's not going to come cheap. So, you know, I think if the Blue Jays do decide to do that, you know, the payroll is only going to continue to go up. And luckily, the Bichettes and the Guerreros and the Biggios of the world, they're making chump change right now. Um, so, you know, it's a situation where the Blue Jays can afford to take on a lot of salary to try to improve this team. 
Well, as a New York Rangers fan, I know what an expanded postseason can do to expectations because last year the Rangers made the postseason the NHL's expanded format, and a lot of Rangers fans this year uh, automatically thought, well, they should be in the postseason again, even though they're in the toughest division in the league, even though they're still in the middle of a rebuild with the youngest roster in the league. You look at the Blue Jays, and they made the postseason in an expanded format, and do you see them as a team that should be in the postseason again, or do you look at them like, hey, they're still a couple years away, they're playing in a division with the reigning AL champ, the Yankees, um, you know, the up-and-coming Orioles, the Red Sox still suck, but uh, how do you look at the Blue Jays season? What are your expectations for them? Well, coming into the year, I had them, you know, in one of the two wildcard spots, had them at around 87, 88 wins, where a lot of the projection systems had them, but, you know, I felt the Yankees, they're the cream of the crop of this division. I thought things would really have to go Toronto's way and not go the Yankees' way in order for them to uh, take top spot in the AL East, but it's going to be a dogfight. I mean, the Twins are good. The Astros are good. Uh, the Red Sox are, you know, okay. Uh, I know people always want to say they don't believe in the Rays, but the Rays always seemingly find a way. Um, same with the White Sox. They're a solid young team. So, you know, there's about five, six, seven teams that are going to be fighting for these two um, wild card spots. So it's not going to be easy. Um, and I think the Blue Jays will somehow find their way there because once George Springer comes back and the offense gets healthy and some of these guys that are underperforming, they're going to score. I have no uh, doubt that the Blue Jays are going to put up a lot of runs over the, the final you know, four or five months of the season. It is going to be, can they pitch enough to make sure that they don't have to score eight uh, runs every single night in order to win ball games? So I still think they're on pace to you know, win about 86, 87, 88 games, and we'll see um, where that puts them. But uh, I had them as a playoff team, as a wild card team coming into the season, and uh, you know, 10 games in, I still feel pretty good about it. All right, Rob. Well, thanks again for taking the time to come on and talk about the Blue Jays. It's uh, it's kind of odd that they're in the second week of the season. They've already played two series against the Yankees, <laughs> but uh, we'll have to check in again uh, during the season and, and see where the division, see how the two teams shape up. But thanks again for coming on. Yeah, absolutely, Neil. Take care, man. All right. Thanks again to Rob for taking the time to come on and talk about the Blue Jays who are beating up on the Yankees as I talk. Uh, so this podcast coming out a little early on, on Tuesday night, not waiting till the post game, not waiting to see what happens because I know what's going to happen. So I always wonder what, uh, you know, or not wonder, but yeah, I guess wonder how someone like John Sterling th- could do this for as long as he could. And think about every season. He, he, he didn't miss a game for decades 162 of these you're going to get some stinkers like this game and he has to sit there and call every single pitch he can't turn the channel he can't leave the stadium get in his car and go home he has to sit there and deal with this so uh, i don't envy that because i'm just talking right now i'll post this could watch the the rangers or or watch the rangers devils watch something else anything other than this shitty team tonight so that'll do it for tonight i'll be back on wednesday to talk yankees blue jays thanks for listening talk to you tomorrow